0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Tim Wendelboe Coffee Podcast. Today, you might hear that I'm not sitting in my normal studio. I am outside in Marcala, in Honduras, uh, listening to tropical birds, some people working in the background, drying coffee. Maybe you'll hear some people de-pulping coffee. You never know. But I'm sitting next to my good old friend, Moises Herrera, who is producing, together with his wife, Marisabel Caballero, the Caballero coffees that we buy from Honduras. Hello, Moises.
1: Hello, Tim. Thank you for inviting me to this episode and uh, for your, pod I, I podcast podcast <laughs> I
0: it's my first time sorry that's how old you are iPods were made in the well, well. yeah
1: yeah <laughs> sorry but I forgot it's uh, my first time and thank you for inviting me in the, your uh, podcast. podcast
0: yes <laughs> no it's a pleasure so Moises maybe we can start uh, you can tell the listeners who you are and uh, what you do and uh, yeah just in general
1: what? yeah um, my name is Moises Herrera uh, I am original from Guatemala, but in 1992 I moved to Honduras for working. I started to work in coffee in 1987 in Guatemala, in, a, in the beginning like accounting. And then I started to work in a company uh, in the wet mill, dry mill, the sporting process and everything. And this is one of the reasons they decide to move. Uh, to send me to Hon- Honduras to start a new company. Mm. And for this, uh, for many reasons, I uh, arrived in Marcala in 1992. And like, uh, we start to to process coffee and export coffee from Marcala. Mm. And uh, in 1996, I got married with Marisabel Caballero. And uh, before this, in 1993, I decided to start to buy some land just to invest. But in uh, 1994, I bought my first farm. And we just continued to grow coffee. And uh, when I got married with Marisabel, she had a, a long background about the coffee because his, she is the fourth generation in coffee. Yeah. His, her family started to plant in coffee early 19th. In Marcala, right? In Marcala area, yeah. but um, I we call we are in Marcala, but really the our farms are located in another municipality. The name is Chinacla. Yeah. But I continue and in and that. And when I arrived in 1992 in this region in Chinacla, is not common to plant coffee mm. because the people are believe like it's a very high altitude. And it's more easy to plant coffee in a low altitude. But low altitude means around between 1,200 to 1,500. Yeah. And our farms now are located in a, a start in like 1,500 meters to 1,700 meters. Yeah. And when uh, I am telling you, when I, I got married with Marisabel, uh, we decided to continue the, the project. But in that moment, uh, the price was very low and we have a lot of problem, but we mean, continue. Even the coffee price? The, yes, the coffee price. Yeah. Because it's in that moment when we started, end of 19s, the coffee price are 40 mm. cents the, a, per yeah. pound. Wow. And it's very, very difficult time for the producer. Yeah. But we continue and we are, until now, producing coffees.
0: Yeah, well, that's a little... Uh I will actually record a podcast with Marisabel, so maybe I should ask her about the story, because I know that you competed in a couple of excellence, and that kind of changed the way you produce and grow coffee a little bit. Yes, Uh, of
1: course. Uh, I always say, like, uh, in Guatemala, we have another, in that moment, we have another uh, vision about uh, specialty coffee, mm. and I want to push Marisabel and and, uh, her family to produce in, in the Marisabel family in our farms uh, because I know the coffee have a very good potential mm. but for in general in that time Honduras uh, the, all the roster know just for volume yeah. for commercial coffee but uh, because the price are very low we have uh, the help for some organizations help the Honduras and the producer to introduce the coffee in a specialty market, mm. and in I, th- I remember in two thousand three, was the Honduras the first national competition about quality, yeah. and we sent some samples and we took the I think at that time the third place or the second place, and uh, this is the first time like a, we know like a, we have a very good quality, yeah. but in that time mostly we produce catuai. Nobody know too much about varieties in, mm. in, in that time. And um, 2004, we decided to send samples to the first Cup of Excellence, and uh, we took many places. We took the second place in, in, the, in the 2004, and we continue to to compete because, of course, everyone want to take the first place. Yeah, <laughs> but for us was a little difficult. Yeah. Uh, we are, uh, but we continue to send. And for us, the Cup of Excellence was the, the window to the people, the roster, know our coffee. In 2005, we start to have a direct relation with some um, buyers, roster, like uh, Intelligencia, counterculture, Culture, Stompton. And in 2010, the competition for cup of excellence was in marcala and then that time was when uh, was when we know tim yeah wonderful
0: well we actually met uh, in 2005 because i was here but uh, i was not buying coffee back yes then, so. yes
1: I, I remember yeah, yeah. so uh,
0: yeah i will we will dig into that story more i think with marisabel yes and, yes uh, yes in another episode she
1: put more uh, passion sentimental <laughs> sentiment <Yeah>. <laughs> and this kind of com- <laughs>
0: We are yeah. more of the factual guys. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. So we'll get uh, get more of the emotional side of that story uh, very soon. But um, so you mentioned the variety katwai and uh, when you started planting coffee here, uh, why did you decide to plant Catuai? Because all uh, all of your farms are now planted with katwai and you you own many farms. You own almost like 300 hectares now.
1: Yes, and now we have a- Between 300, I think so it's more close to 350 hectares with the new projects like we have.
0: But it's not like a big farm in Brazil where everything is planted in rows or anything. These are small farms situated in different areas in the mountains.
1: Yes, uh, this is uh, always I am uh, trying to explain the the, uh, buyers. Like in Honduras, it's a little different Mm. compared with uh, Guatemala and Central America or with Brazil. Because, of course, the numbers sounds big. Mm. But um, it's very difficult to have one farm at once here in Honduras, yeah. like uh, that, 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 that size. Uh, for example, in the beginning, we start to, uh, to produce coffee in Finca El Puente, like uh, is our name. And then just in Finca El Puente, we have like uh, 35 different plots. Mm and sometimes one of these uh, plots are next to another but in the beginning was just one and then we start to to buy the land for our neighbor and we complete this but uh, now uh, actually we have like uh, we planted coffee in uh, two and four different municipalities We produce coffee in Chinacla, in San Jose, Marcala, and in Santa Ana. Yeah.
0: But why did you plant Catuai back then? Because I think I, uh, yeah. in the 90s, well, I don't know actually, because I wasn't working in coffee back then, but uh, uh, at least uh, from what I hear, it was very common to plant like Caturra,
1: maybe Bourbon, Pacas. Uh, I really don't know. I don't have the exactly question about why we decide uh, the Catuai. But since uh, I start to plant in coffee in that moment, in specific in Marcala area, the people uh, planting uh, some borbons, some Tipicas, but mostly Catuai, mm. and we continued with this tradition, Yeah. like a planting Catuai,
0: and uh, it's it's nice because it's a little shorter.
1: Yes, it it's it, a lot. Yeah, it's a it's a good variety. Yeah, and. Um, but after this, we start to, to know like uh, sometimes, um, not because in Guatemala or talking about Honduras, not because in Santa Barbara the pacas grow very well, means like uh, in Marcala, taste very well. Yeah. Or for another example, is the parainema. Mm. Parainema is one variety that the Honduran Institute developed for some specific area, the name is El Paraíso. Mm. But, when uh, sometime the Parainema won the Cup of Excellence, every single producer wants to take the seed and start to plant it in different altitudes. And uh, in our experience, in our farms, doesn't grow very well. Oh, grow very well, but don't taste very well. I tasted
0: a lot of Paranema. I was just in Santa Barbara before I came here, and a lot of it just tastes like vegetable soup.
1: Mm-hmm. Like really vegetable. Yes.
0: Some of them uh, can be nice, but uh, they're very specific for, I think, a little bit lower altitudes.
1: Yes, uh, they develop for altitude between um, 1100 to 1400. And mm. in, uh, in that time, uh, it's like I know, They developed this variety for one specific problem in uh, El Paraíso area, because they have a problem with uh, nematodes, And this is the reason they developed, and this is uh, like uh, the parainema name come from. Para, paraíso, Mm. nema, nematodos. Yeah,
0: exactly. (laughs) So it's not like four nematodes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, yeah. And uh, (laughs) talking about another time like uh, the Catuayi, and we saw the Catuayi grow very well in our area, the catuai tastes good, and the other thing is like it's difficult to some understand. Is for the producer, it's not easy to replace one variety, one variety, just because another is better, mm. because take sometimes. Yeah, we'll get and into it,
0: that. Let's get into that because you have, uh, I think, over fifty varieties
1: uh, available yes. in uh, farms, yes. like you have,
0: an, uh, I would say, a variety garden.
1: Yes, kind of.
0: Um, but out of those 50, you only grow how many? Like
1: Probably commercial, no more like a 10, mm. in a like commercial way. And commercial way means like a probably one variety is only 10 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, one day I read one article, and the article says like, uh, if the producer want to introduce a new variety in the farm, need at least 10 years. And in that moment, I, I start to think it by myself like, uh, it's not possible, it's too much time. Yeah. But then, we have the experience with this. <laughs> and sometimes it's a lot of risk, like uh, talking about the parainema. Mm. Because just to, since you planted the seed until you have the first crop, sometimes you need five years. Mm. But you need to wait in at least two years more to know if the coffee have a, a potential uh, uh, about this. And uh, when you found it's not good, the risk is big because you took seven years. And like, I mean, you lost seven years. Yeah. And then you need to replant it with another variety, take another time. Yeah. And, and then uh, the, the first experience with this was in the, the geisha. Because in that time, one friend gave us to some seeds. He bring for Panama some seeds, mm. and we start to grow. But this happened in two thousand seven, and then we can have a very good production because it's a few seeds. That means like we need to plant them, start to produce, to cop if the variety work, yeah. then. We have, uh, took another, and uh, this is one that the reason we co- decide to compete until 2015, wow. eight years eight after. Years later. Yes. And then, this is uh, when uh, my wife uh, w- w- took the first place and won the Cup of Excellence. Yeah.
0: I remember uh, in the beginning when I was tasting the Geisha, probably like 2012, 2013 mm-hmm. maybe, uh it didn't taste as intense as it became uh, in the later years like now it's really distinct and intense and you can really like taste that it's a super high quality geisha
1: yeah and the other the other thing about talking about this uh we notice now is like uh, the, the everyone know the geisha from panama yeah and then when the buyers come here uh they say like uh the 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 come the, the, the geisha they expect to cop like um, panama geisha yeah but in the end the people need to know every place have the, the his own terroir yeah and the the, the terroir means like a have his own flavor yeah exactly have that the own characteristics yeah yeah
0: Yeah, your geisha is definitely uh, different from the panamanian but uh, actually i like it a lot because it has a little bit more body i think in general and uh, has a very kind of slightly more like papaya flavor for me mm-hmm. and uh, this kind of very distinct mandarin flavor um, you know geishas for me are different almost every place that i taste it mm-hmm. uh, which is nice yeah but uh you have a lot of other varieties and how do you kind of go about selecting those and why don't you grow you say it takes 10 years to, to do, develop one, but how did you choose the ones that you're
1: actually growing? Yeah, in the beginning, it was just because the other person or the other producer have the variety, is like we choose to plant it. Mm. But now we are more careful about what variety we decide to start to grow, because one of the thing is like we start to crop before, if that we plant uh, of course take us another time long time, but for, we prefer because before sometimes the, we lose some years. Yeah. Now the way is like uh, we prefer to plant in a small quantity of the trees and then when we come and we know how a, a good successful, we decide to replant in a big areas
0: yeah. And do you also look at like a production and the vigor of the trees and resistance? And
1: yes. Is that important of, to you? Yes, of course. Yeah. The, for, uh, for any producer, the producer are looking more for the production yeah. sometimes. Yeah. And then this is the reason that people, the producer, are looking to choose some variety like capacas, like cacatoaí, like cacaturra, because in one area is more density. Per area and more production, but in our focus, in our view, we want not only the production. Sometimes we are interested in the new flavors. Yeah. And uh, uh, always, the our main production is katuai. Yeah. But our vision is to maintain between 20 and 25 percent of the production, diversify, because uh, we know or we believe is the way like uh, the, pro- the roster and the consumer know about us because we can provide a different coffees, a yeah. different varieties. I
0: mean for me it makes my life a lot easier. I don't have to travel to Panama to buy geisha. I don't have to travel to Guatemala to taste uh, Ana Cafe 14 for instance. So uh, for me I like to work in this way like go to a producer that is very highly skilled and buy different flavors from that producer, so I can offer different flavors to the customer. But the elephant in the room is, um, you're obviously getting a much higher price for your geisha, but you only produce how many bags? Like 50 bags a year?
1: Yeah, now now we can say yes, around 50 bags. And how many bags of Katura, no, Katuai uh, do you produce? Uh, we produce like, uh, in total, around um, 8,000 baht. So why
0: don't you just plant everything with geisha and cash in on it? No.
1: Nah. <laughs> this is a... Look, this is like a, the, the, the producer expect to have a good price or high price. Yeah. But really in the market, the market is not prepared for this. Yeah. It's sadly, but it's not prepared for this. And we understand this position. Normally, the other way is like a, the consumer are looking for some coffee, like a, he can drink every day, mm. and many cups of coffee in a day. Yeah. And some varieties, like a geisha, is too delicate coffee. And sometimes it's not for every day.
0: Yeah.
1: You can enjoy one or two cups every day, but you need to change. And yeah. then or Katuaí have the characteristic, you can drink like uh, every day. It's one coffee for the day. Yeah, I completely
0: agree, I have to say. Like uh, to be honest, I don't drink Geisha every day. I have Geisha in my roastery. I don't drink it every day. Like uh, maybe I'll take it once a month to my flat and then brew it, but uh, mostly uh, for my breakfast coffee, it's like Katuaí. I drink the Validad Colombia from Finca Tamala, like sweet coffees that are uncomplicated and just super nice. Yes. We just finished the table of your Cato Ais and they were like, even though they're very similar in flavor, there's a lot of different qualities and uh, some of them have more fruit flavors, some of them are more chocolatey, one was a little bit more herbal. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's a pretty interesting coffee, I think.
1: Yeah, because this uh, the different flavors Sometimes the pen, the plot, like, uh, is come from the coffee. Yeah. It depends the day. It depends how the cherry is. If it's just ripe or it's a little more overripe. Yeah. Like I mean, like uh, if it's red or, or more purple. Yeah. It
0: depends this. We could taste that on the cupping. Like uh, I wrote, sometimes slight ferment. Yeah. And then you mentioned that this was uh, maybe like coffee from uh, yeah, very very and-
1: ripe. Yeah, and this time, especially in that time, it's very difficult because we have uh, problems with the labor. Yeah. And then happen this situation because you don't, don't, you don't have uh, enough labor, uh, labor and then you need to wait in or the coffee needs to wait in until the, we have time to go in a, another yeah. lot.
0: Speaking of labor, because you have obviously a lot of different small farms and a lot of land and a lot of coffee to produce, uh, and uh, some people might know that there's a lot of uh, migration to the U.S. from Honduras and from Central America in general. Like, uh, how is it, how is it today compared to like in the '90s to get labor, and how do you actually attract people to come and help you pick the coffee and process the coffee?
1: Yeah, like uh, you you say like uh, it's a- Now it's a big issue for us. A lot of immigration. Almost every week, some want to go to the United States or some to Europe, especially to Spain. But um, one of the the thing, like, uh, we don't have too much problem. Thanks, God. And we say, thanks, God, and thanks the coffee buyers. Because one of our focus is always is to share with our worker, some of the money we take. Yeah. And then, normally, uh, we provide more uh, salary compared with another producer. Yeah, And this is one of the options we gave them. to. And, uh, we provide them, the normal producer, sometimes they took the picker just in the season of the harvest. Yeah. And then, in the no harvest time, they need to look in for a job in another place. Yeah. But now, we normally have the same people working because uh, uh, after just after the harvest time, we start to clean the farm. And instead of like uh, some producer, they prefer to clean with machine or with apply some herbicide. We are lo- looking to just clean the farm by hand. Yeah. Because It's good for the soil because we incorporate some organic material and it's good in the social view because we provide job to the people around our farms. And then we have always a big group or a good group of people working for us. And then there's another another way like we maintain the same group is now we process our coffee in our own meal. And then there's another way to provide coffee uh, work for all the year. And then the the people, of course, we left some people, we lost some people. But we maintain a good group. But one of the reasons is we pay better compared with another product. Yeah.
0: And I guess uh, an important thing is that they can actually work the whole year. Because uh, you see in Colombia, like uh, people travel from farm to farm. To be in the peak of the harvest, so they can make as much money as possible. Mm-hmm. But uh, your model is like paying a little bit more and then keeping them the whole year. Yes. Which uh, I guess they don't have to move around, and you know nobody really wants to move around all the time, and uh, they yeah. probably have families nearby your farms. They live in they they live in the community around the farms. Yeah.
1: Yes. They live they live in the community around the farm. Yeah. Yes. That's
0: nice. I once uh, drove uh, the car with you from your mill to see one of your farms and you stopped by a house that was under construction. And you said that you were helping uh, this person build a house.
1: Yes, uh, since like um, six, seven years ago, we started like a, the social program. We stopped a little bit for the pandemic time, but the way is like uh, we try to help our worker to fix his house, yeah. to have a better house. And then uh, every year we are looking for some, but the uh, way like uh, we do is we ask them, like uh, they need to put some, because normally the people are very happy when you provide all, yeah. but it's, in our view is not the best way, because they need to know they put some effort yeah. in a job, and then that time we, in like now we are probably we are helping like a six people to fix his house, and they live better now. It's not many employees who would do that in Norway, I think. <laughs> yeah, no, and uh, it's uh, because one of, and uh, it's common here in a rural areas like like a uh, house means only four walls. Yeah. And inside is one salon, yeah. and sometimes it's the, the, the kitchen is in the same place, the living room, the dining room, and yeah. the rooms. Yeah. And sometimes they uh, all sleep together. Yeah. And then we start to tell the, the our workers it's not good because the men need some privacy and the kids need some privacy. Yeah. And that way, when we pro- we help them, we try to divide for rooms the house, but like a, it separate the kitchen because it's better for, for the yeah, health. For certain, yeah. yeah, this is one of the try. You know, we always say that with Marisabel, or and our vision is to to have a good life for our family in our farms. Our farms looks very good and produce good coffee take the environment and have a good social project. Yeah. Because in that way we can produce and we can uh, still grow coffee.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean uh, that's a big thing around the world I think. Uh, people struggling to get workers. Uh also, the farms are uh, getting more and more hit by disease and pests. Mm-hmm. So we have to think of it as a holistic uh, thing, and environment is a big part of it, and of, also the workers. Of yeah, of course. Yeah. Social programs. All right. I forgot to ask you a little bit uh, back to varieties. Uh, what, uh, because you mentioned Katoai and Geisha. Uh, what kind of other varieties do you grow, and are you happy about at the moment?
1: Uh, another variety like uh, we have is Java. We have uh, some SL28. We have some Pacamara. And now we have some, uh, we are start to try to plant some Ana Cafe 14, some Kenyan coffee we call, some Pinto, some Marsellesa. This is one of the, the variety work better. Yeah. No price. Yeah, I was cupping the
0: pacamara. I can see from my scores here, it was tasting really, really good this year. Uh, Like super distinct, fruity uh, pacamara flavors, I call it. uh, It's not very common to find very good pacamaras. Like we obviously buy the one from Los Nails, which you have been. Mm -hmm. Um, But also some of the Kenyan uh, varieties that you have are tasting really, really promising. Yes. Are you planning on replanting some of the katuai or changing or...?
1: Yes. In a, for example, we have the variety like a java. But the java in the beginning grow well, taste well, or taste good. Yeah. But we have some issue with because the, the java is a tall variety. It's yeah. a big tree. And we need to learn how to it. Or maybe we, uh, we need to replace with another variety. Yeah. This year, with you, we up the first time the variety like uh, from Kenya, the name is Batian, yeah. and tastes good. Tastes really good, yeah. Tastes very good. Tastes, and then we are thinking to try to replace some areas, the Java for the Batian or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Because in the end, the other thing is we need to maintain some balance between the production yeah because one of the and we talk with you in uh, another time like uh, sometimes the, produ- the buyers the roaster ask you for new varieties ask you for new process but in the end they arrive and they copy and they buy two bags five <laughs> bags yeah, and hilarious. then the producer take the big risk yeah. about this and we need to maintain the balance to production, to leave us and maintain the farms and our workers, and some varieties like uh, to enjoy the life. Yeah, Yeah.
0: that's a good way of seeing it. Mm -hmm. And speaking of process, uh, because many years ago we did infamous uh, experiments on drying Mm -hmm. uh, on your mill. And based on that experiment, it changed the way I dry, or wants the producers that I buy from, how they dry the coffee. Mm-hmm. So now I prefer to buy coffees that are dried on the shades, uh, preferably on raised beds, mm-hmm. and slowly. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we found that the f- shelf life was much, mm-hmm. much, much longer. The coffees tasted cleaner, and so on. Can you maybe explain a little bit about the experiment we did, and how it has changed your production?
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah, I remember, I, I don't remember exactly in what year it was, but with you we start to make some uh, experiment about this. And I remember in that time we start to dry coffee in a parios, uh, in a thick and a thin layer. Yeah. We start to, in shade and African bells and sun, we shade, and a too. And we, we do many experiments. And, uh, and in the end, we found uh, very good things, like, uh, for example, we found like uh, the patios is the most romantic way to <laughs> to dry coffee. Yeah. But in terms of quality, is not the best. No. Sometimes is the one of the worst uh, yeah. uh, way. And then we made another experiment to dry the coffee in a. Popular way in uh, in Honduras, the name is uh, vertical dryers. Yeah, and this is another like uh, it's very fast, but the life of the coffee is very short. Yeah, and uh, in the end, we found like uh, for very special coffees, very special varieties, the best way is to the dry the coffee in beds. And uh, the way we do is like uh, the first three. Maximum four days, we dry the coffee in sun, yeah. because we need to uh, to take out a little bit the risk of the fungus, yeah. and then we move the coffee and shade. Yeah. Of course, take more time. Yeah, but it tastes
0: much better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> How, sort of much diff- longer time. Yes, yeah. take
1: in. Uh, but you know when you are. Uh, a uh, small producer works very well yeah but sometimes like a producer like us when we have a lot of production uh, is a uh, it's impossible almost impossible because mean we need to have to install like a three hectares of bed yeah and then we need another a hundred people to, to, move, to the move the coffees and to manage but in that time, like uh, we found is like uh, we can use the guardiolas. And guardiola is a mechanical It's a dryer. mechanical dryer. Looks like a roaster, but the drum is perforated. Yes. And, and, and inside have some a tube and perforate too, like uh, you send air. Yeah. And in that way is uh, like uh, the coffee uh, or the air, the hot air uh, dry the coffee. Yeah. But then we uh, start to make um, many experiments. We start like a normal way, using thirty hours, and but at that time, we the oven. Uh, I remember it's like around sixty, seventy Celsius degrees in the mechanical drives. in the mechanical dryers.
0: Yeah. And to, you use thirty hours to uh, dry it.
1: Uh, yes, and then for the next year. We start to reduce the temperature, but we need more time. Yeah. And then, in that time, we use uh, 44 hours. Yeah. The coffee tastes better. The coffee is more long life. Yeah. But it's not enough for a uh, very talking about the specialty coffee. Yeah. And we do many many experiments. Means like a more in the the. the temperature and the time. And in the end, we found the best, and talking in an economic way, yeah. is we now we pre-dry the coffee one day in the Parios. And we use 72 hours in uh, Guardiola's. And the temperature is in the oven is 40, and in the drum is like a between 20 and 25. And then we, like, uh, we want to recreate, like, uh, the temperature in the sun of the coffee. Yeah. But a little lower. And that means, like, uh, normally in the patio, the producer uses five days. But if you compare 72 hours in a guardiola, means, like, uh, we use between 12 and 14 days.
0: Yeah. Because... Five days of drying in the patio is not uh, 24 hours of drying.
1: Yes, we, normally per day is only maximum six hours. Yeah. And in the Guardiola, we use 72 hours, and then it's like a 12 days in a drying, mm. plus one day in the pre-dry. Means like a between 13, 14 days mm. to try that. And you know, now all the coffee or most of the coffee we dry in the guardiolas. But the customer are happy because some of the customers uh, use the coffee one year later, yeah. and the coffee tastes fresh. Yeah,
0: and that's the big difference. Because I remember when we did the experiment, when I had the 30-hour drying, not even did the coffee fade fast or taste old uh, much faster than the shade dried. But it also had a slightly different flavor. Yeah. It tasted like, I called it like sweaty coffee. It tasted like, uh, yeah, something different in the coffee. Whereas now when I cupped, uh, you put a lot, randomly, a blind on the table uh, next to all the coffees that I buy that are dried in shades, and I couldn't really distinguish it, that it was different from the others, uh, and I scored it quite well, I think I scored it 85 and a half points. Yes. Uh, so at least now, it, you know, it, it tastes the same, um, and then, you know, you probably need bigger lots to fill the Guardiola, and and
1: everything. Okay. Yes, and you know maybe the question is why we don't use more time in our dealer. Yeah. In a, like a, I am telling before we tried and we do until 120 hours. Yeah. The problem is that sometimes the buyer don't are able to pay this extra money. Yeah. Extra cost we have. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point.
0: Like, uh, we have a very specific way. We want you to produce the coffees for us. Uh, and you mentioned that there were some buyers here asking, why don't you do it for all your coffees? Mm-hmm. And uh, you answered, because people don't pay.
1: Yes, easy, <laughs> easy answer.
0: Yeah. And uh, I mean, when you produce 8000 bags of Katoai, like you would have to have a. You know several farms just with raised beds yeah in order to and then um, you said like a hundred people to move the coffee so it's not an economical model when people want lower prices
1: yeah yes of sure yeah like I you say it's, it's uh, we call like a, it's almost impossible to yeah. know this.
0: and we know that uh, production cost has uh, risen quite a lot in the last year especially fertilizer prices mm-hmm. and everything uh, I think we might have to talk to you again in another episode about that. But uh, in general, like, have you been able to raise the prices for your coffees? Do the buyers understand that your cost is also rising or?
1: Uh... The last year was more easy. Yeah. Because it was a big shot in that compared with that 2021. The cost compared to like at 2022. But honest, for the 2023, even a lot of cost is increased, not all the buyers want to increase the price. Yeah. Some buyers are able to maintain that level, but even some ask to reduce a little bit the price of the cost.
0: Which is strange, I
1: mean. Yeah, I know, it's strange. Even
0: inflation means it's not going down, you know. Yeah, and
1: you know, this is a, maybe we need to talk in another episode about this, but we need, in, like a team, means producer, workers, buyers, and roster. We need to work like a team, because if not, probably in the soon, Will uh, like a producer, we will, will have a big issue with this. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: I couldn't agree more. Like uh, spending a lot of time in Colombia, seeing uh, the farmer side of uh, the situation and knowing, you know, that uh, you, just your fertilizer cost has tripled, yeah. your uh, labor cost has, you know, at least doubled. Yeah. Uh, your electricity prices are also high. Your food prices are rising. Oh the interest rates on your loans Ooh. are rising. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, uh, in the Western world we just think that it happens in our part of the world but it happens everywhere. Yes, yes. And we can't expect to pay the same prices for the coffee for the rest of our lives. You
1: know? Yeah. But you know, I am happy like uh, when uh, because I remember like uh, 10 years ago was like a little fashion in like uh, some buyers some roster want to be to buy a farm and to be a producer. Mm. And uh, at that time I, I was happy because I started thinking by myself, ah, it's good they know the real life of the producer. You yeah. uh, know, I talked with at least three of them, and always they say, oh, now I understand how difficult is the life of the, the producer. Because when I bought this farm, I expect 200 bucks. And you know, this year I produce only 70, Yeah. kind of this. And believe me, the life of the producer is not like uh, completely easy. No, for sure not.
0: Uh, before we round off, I think we have a couple of more minutes before I have to catch a play. Yeah. Um, but I think we need to talk about prices in another episode, for, because it's so interesting. Um, uh, funky processes uh, funky processes yes yeah. <laughs> we don 't have to dig in too much about it, but um, uh, you uh, obviously have customers who ask for like anaerobic mm-hmm. uh, all these kind of strange uh, kind of ways to process the coffee, uh, and I noticed that you 're not doing a lot of it uh, no, can you explain to me why you don't prefer not to do it? And
1: is uh um i remember like uh, when i arrived in honduras or early 2000 and honduras we you produce just wash coffees but then a new fashion come is the natural coffees and honduras start to produce a natural coffee it's different flavor yeah but even it's a interesting flavor yeah but after this we start to receive another time the some buyers and start to talk about the different process. And you know, for the producer, the producer always are looking for a new window because the new window means sometimes better price. Yeah. And then the, the producer are following this uh, uh, price, high price. But at the end, we are in the same way, because some customer ask us about this. And um, now, we do some of this process, but we try to do just like uh, when some specific customer asks us about one process, and some specific quantity of coffee for them. Yeah sometimes I am not not agree with the flavors It's not my preference but I need to respect this preference for another customer yeah and we produce some but not too much compared with another always my vision is to produce the best wash coffee forever
0: and is it very labor intense you know I see behind us we have like a lot of barrels with leads and
1: uh, yeah marks. one of the problem for us like a producer is uh, uh, we don't have the knowledge about how process yeah because even when the they start this fashion we the producer don't know about the difference between fermentation aerobic and anaerobic yeah. and we try to do just because some tell us and the other is we don't have the facilities to do this. Yeah. And then we start to to do the things like a weekend. Yeah. But in the end, you need more time. Yeah. You need more labor. We need uh, many things about this. And another time talking about price. Sometimes in the end, the cost is too high. Yeah. Compared to the price Compare you get? Compared with the price.
0: So even if they commit to the coffees, it doesn't make sense to do this.
1: Yeah, sometimes no. Yeah. But the, the customer, like uh, we choose to do this um, this uh, kind of processing, they are a uh, commitment with uh, us mm. with a price too. And they pay us a relatively oh, good price for this uh, this process. Yeah and this is the reason like uh, we maintain this kind of process yeah yeah i mean i think that's fair if you're willing to pay for it
0: and uh, you're willing to do it there's nothing wrong with it for sure but uh it comes always comes to the price and uh, what happens if the coffees don't taste good you know do they still buy it and
1: yeah this is a this is a good point because normally if the coffee don't taste like they expect for them it's easy to say to release to reject the coffee and the risk is for the producer. And always we say like uh, with a, one friend in a, in a coffee business, is like a, one very good wash coffee always is easy to sell. Yeah.
0: Even in the local markets.
1: Even in the local market. Yeah. Even in like a commercial coffee. Yeah. But one coffee with process, normally you need to sell for the consume in the national market.
0: Yeah, so very low
1: price. Very very low price. Yeah. because uh,
0: uh, like in Colombia, most of the coppers who buy coffee in the cooperatives and everything, if there's any hint of ferment or anything, yeah. they reject the coffee. Yes. Yeah. They say it's defect, and then you get a very low price.
1: Yeah, this is one. Uh, what they're trained to do. And you know, you can imagine if uh, the producer have a very high cost and some reject the coffee. Yeah. In the end, the producer have l- less money, yeah. and less money means the t- less take care for the farm. Yeah,
0: which means worse quality next year. Or- yeah,
1: because it's it's normal if the producer receives less money. They prefer to spend the money in his family, and less in the farm.
0: Yeah. So, I think we have to wrap up because I have to catch a plane, but uh, you're coming to Oslo very soon.
1: Uh, this is the idea.
0: So, uh, hopefully then we can record another episode. And I think we should talk a little bit about pricing and also how to take care of the farm long-term. Because yeah. we didn't touch on that, and I am very interested in how you do that, because I just went to your farms uh, yesterday and the day before, and they look fantastic, and uh, the future for them also looks very bright. So. Uh, I think we will have to do that in a second episode. But thank you very much, Moises.
1: No, it's a pleasure, Like uh, Always, with Marisabel, with our family, told you. It's always it's a pleasure to talk with you, yeah. and always we learn something. Always, oh, me too. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's mutual. <laughs> yeah, thank you for inviting me in this episode.
0: Thank you, Moises. And to all the listeners, I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. We will make sure to record the next one in a less noisy environment. They are depulping coffee behind us. And I didn't want to interrupt because it's part of farm life. Uh, so now you hear the birds, the coffee being depulped. I wish you could smell it because it smells incredibly sweet. But until next time, thanks for listening and make sure to spread the word about our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please do so in our Instagram account, at Tim and is the tag. Thank you very much, and uh, we will speak soon. Ciao, ciao.